As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. We open with a thank you and an apology. Thank you, of course, to the Norden Group for their continuing support of our our little podcast here. And an apology because we did not provide you with an episode yesterday. Uh, I was moving. Things have been crazy this weekend. Couldn't make it happen. But trying to turn in our homework late. Hope you guys will at least give us partial credit. Maybe some extra credit at the end of the semester to bring bring us back up to the A. But um, we do have... I think this will be one of those episodes a lot of people listen to, you know, I'd like to think that's all of them, but it realistically probably isn't. But I think this is, this is, um, this applies to like really directly to what we've got coming up in the next few months here. So absolutely. In fact, I was, um, I was thinking I've actually been preparing a pod. I've been, I've been preparing to do one on sleep, which is just such a huge ginormous topic and it's like, a, it's like worthy of a podcast in and of itself exactly like and i'm like you know what i don't i mean i mean that's super important and we've talked about sleep a bunch of times but i'm like you know what we need to talk about today i think's much more timely and we can't you know it just has to happen this week yep. so yeah because we we're counting down we're of course of course talking about nika um first nika race is saturday right um, At least do, for most of the regions we deal with, there might be some that most of you will have a race on Saturday. Yeah. Do you, where, where are the where are the race is being held um, for region two, which is the region I'm in, it's at Soldier Hollow. Always love Soldier Hollow. Didn't yeah. get to race there this year. Super bummed, but and, had to go get married and whatnot. <laughs> but I, I should know where the other ones are, but I don't. That's so. okay. I mean, it's it's getting so big, you know, it's kind of hard to keep track of, but. Um, before we do that, we do have a couple things to um, to run over. Um, uh, first off, I think I have to say what the team did for Dan on his birthday is awesome. You know, he was just showing me all the notes and everything, and I'm like, this guy doesn't deserve it. First off, like, you know, um, but either way, like, this team is so cool, and I'm, I I just have to say, like, that was touching to me. Yeah, I can't even begin. This was probably seriously the best birthday I can remember um I I don't know if I even got you anything I don't think you got me anything. did I text you I don't I don't know if you texted me I think you got an Instagram story from me oh that's right you did an Instagram I did tag you in the same picture I've used the last four birthdays for you so that was thoughtful of you I have it saved in a little folder so that every birthday I can just recycle that same picture and don't worry the team made up for you this year I'm really glad to hear it yeah I um I just had such a happy birthday. It was just so awesome. Like I, 
I was supposed to go to Skyline Ride that night, but I got stuck in some of the Joe Biden traffic and was like 45 minutes late. Oh, yeah. So I went to go ride Big Cottonwood Canyon, and it was super hot, and I get my bike out of out of my truck and totally flat. I tried to, I thought I had a CO2 cartridge. I didn't. So I had to go home and I went home and I, I fixed my tire, but I didn't go inside the house. I just went in the garage and then I went and rode up, rode up little Cottonwood Canyon and down quarry and just super fun little ride. Um, the whole time on my ride, my, my head unit kept buzzing with someone wishing me happy birthday from the team. And, and it was just so awesome. And then, and then I get home and on my kitchen table was this huge spread, like this enormous gift bag, gift basket with like all these kind of different salsas and chips. And it was just the cutest thing ever. And, but the most awesome part was um, everyone, like so a bunch of people from the team had either done handwritten notes or like, or these little notes that were on a card. And I just sat there eating tortilla chips and reading cute little messages the whole night. You know what? And it just, it meant so much to me because honestly, sometimes, you know, sometimes you question the things you do, you know, and I, sometimes, sometimes I'm kind of like, sometimes I'm like, you know, you know, do people just join Maybird because they feel bad for me or because it's a cool, like a cool Jersey. Yeah. Does this really matter to anybody? Am I really, you know, is, 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 am I really making a difference? And it just was just super rewarding, all those kind messages. And, um, Helena was the one that kind of organized the whole thing. And she's just, I don't know if I've ever met a nicer person than Helena. You know, I think about me. Oh, Joe, you're like on the opposite end of the spectrum (laughs) of Helena. How many people are below me on the list? Uh, It's not a huge list. (laughs) Um, But thank you to everyone that was involved. It was just, it it just was awesome. Lots of lovely folks on this team. Really great. Really good people. It, you guys have no idea what you did for me, so thank you. So that, we've got to, got to move on to more pressing matters, though, Dan, okay. because cycling's... You don't want to talk about my birthday the whole time? No, not really. Um, <laughs> cycling's biggest event ever wrapped up. Um, the basically, like, month-long oh, yeah, my, Super my World Championships. Pre-ride. Yes, that is what we're talking about. Um, I don't want to talk about that because I'm bummed and I miss it because I had to, like, move and whatnot. Um uh, world championships wrapped up. Glasgow was amazing. I really wish I could have been there. It looked awesome. I, I've heard the citizens of Glasgow didn't love it um, because they shut down their city for like two weeks. Um, but uh, really yeah, cool event. What? They'll get over it. Oh yeah. Was it Glasgow or Edinburgh? I have no idea. I think it was all over the place. I think it was. Mo- I think it was technically in Glasgow, but a lot of the stuff. I think they rode from Edinburgh to Glasgow for the big road race. But anyway. Um, Dan and I made some predictions. I can't remember what they were perfectly, and I can't go back and, and find it. Um, uh, I, but we'll start with the, uh, the road race. I think I said Pogacar, and I think you said Vanderpol, and you were right. Vanderpol just, like, and I think we talked about this last week, right? Absolutely crushed it. Isn't that the one he crashed and got up? Yep, and, crashed yeah. and got up. He had, and actually it's come out, he broke his cleat. So he finished that race where he couldn't clip one of his feet in. Oh, no. He was having, it was plastic pushing plastic, basically. Um, and he still won. And his and his boa came off. So he had like a loose shoe that wouldn't clip in. Hmm. To give you some idea of just Maybe how. Maybe those guys riding flats are onto something. I, well, I guess. It, it must be that, right? Um, you know, his Vanderpool's going to be sponsored by 510 next year. Um, 
But uh, uh, we had the women's race. So the, the men's race kind of opened it. The women's race closed it. I said Demi Vollering for the women's race. I think it was a good pick. But Lada Kopecky won a super, just really grueling race. Like I was watching the whole time, and it was one of those where it was just whoever's the biggest psycho who can suffer the hardest wins kind yeah, of races. Who won the Tour de France them? Uh, the Demi Vollering. Okay. Yeah, crushed it. And I kind of figured we we're close enough coming off the tour. I'm like, I'm thinking she's going to have some post-tour form. Um and, and, you know, I, I was wrong, but it's okay. okay. Um, Lada Kopecky took the win. Belgium, you know, needed that. They came very close with Van Aert there. Um, uh, in the mountain bike event, though, I did get it right. So I called Pauline Foran Prevost for the, for the win, which I'm really proud of. Like, that was a spot-on pick for me. Um, I'd like to kind of uh, – what's, what's, the, what's the phrase? Brag. Toot my own horn. Oh. I'd like to toot my own horn a little bit that I nailed it. I did not nail the men's though. Pidcock really ran away with it, and a surprise performance by Sam Gaze. Um, you know, yeah, he kind of comes out of the woodwork. He's hot and cold. Yeah. He's hot and cold. On his day, he's close to unbeatable. Um, he of course broke the Schurter Absalon Kohlhavi winning streak in 2018 in Stellenbosch. Um, uh, happy to see that. Um, but yeah, I have to. I have to say, man, like that Glasgow course was cool. Like, I think that's what more mountain bike tracks need to look like. It was almost, like, too technical. For a lot of the juniors I read, like, it was maybe a little bit much. Um, wow. But I have to throw out, um, uh, Don Hinks sent me an email. And they were actually there. I didn't realize, but he, they got to go watch in person. Oh, no way. And it was really, I'll show you the email. I'm not going to go over it all here. But, like, um, it was super cool. He said he got to go so, like see just how fast the pros go. Got to see a bunch of the Americans riding said he talked to Bart Brinchens, like cool stuff like that. Um, so um, there will be another Super World Championships in France in 2027. It sounds like they're going to set it up so it comes the year before the Olympics. Um, and I would love to go to that because that would be the coolest thing ever to just have like, I think they said the number of rainbow jerseys that was handed out was crazy. Like over all of the different events and everything, and the men's and the women's and all the different age groups, I think it was 200 or something crazy like that. Wow. Because um, you have to think so, and it's mostly because track has like a billion different like mm -hmm. different events, and then you have men's and women's elite U23 and junior. Um, so yeah, really cool. Um, and I'm trying to kind of rush here through because we've got a lot to talk about, and I want to leave down. How did like um, Braden do and Kate Courtney and the, the Americans didn't? It was Americans didn't have an amazing uh, world championships. Kate Courtney posted, made a really interesting post. Um, didn't have a great day. I think Braden was somewhere in the 30s, which is really good. But I think by his standards, he was hoping for a little more. Mm -hmm. I think, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, but you know, it was it was really nice. All the Americans made some really nice tributes to Magnus White, who was killed right before this, and um, it was good to see him representing there. I did I did read that like the junior uh, American women were some of the only ones to be riding the really technical stuff on the uh, on the World Cup track. Um, so really cool stuff. Um, I I think. I think we'll have an, another American world champion before too long here. Um, but yeah, really awesome event. I, I, I think this, uh, this whole get it, you know, doing everything together at one time is a really interesting way to do things. It'd be interesting if they could get cyclocross and gravel in and truly do everything in one. But, um, I don't know if that would ever totally work, but, um, yeah, really awesome event. I'm going to try to make it to France 2027. It's going to be one, of my, one cool. of my goals. Um, really quickly, we did get a really good question that I get every year, <laughs> and the, that my, my answer to this question actually changes every year, but Hayden 
Fonger asked, what is the difference between a gravel bike and a cyclocross bike? We have cyclocrosses coming-ish. It's very far off in the distance, but it's charging towards us. And so I just wanted to give my updated 2023 answer for what the difference between a gravel and a cyclocross bike is. And because I don't have a quiz prepared for you, Dan, because we're so pressed for time today, this will be your quiz. How would you describe the difference between a gravel bike and a cyclocross bike? Well, one is kind of more useful generally, and the other one's more specific for okay. a certain type of race. I would which, say. which is which? Um, it seems like the cyclocross bikes are a little shorter, um, like a, a higher bottom bracket. Okay, okay. And they're really only good for cyclocross. Okay. And gravel's a little more kind of raked out, longer. Um, a little more like a road bike um, and it's probably not you could do a, a cross race on one but it's not like the ideal tool for the job you'd probably be fine if it's not your main your main event and but but like with gravel bikes there's like a wide range of gravel bikes some are practically hardtails and others are kind of closer to road bikes right that's I hate giving you credit. That's a pretty decent answer. Um, if you're not familiar with either of these terms, we're basically talking about bikes that look like road bikes and have almost always dropped handlebars with the curved uh, bottoms. Um, I'm talking about bikes that look like road bikes, but that are designed for some form of off-road riding. And forever and ever and ever, the only kind of bike that fit into this category was a cyclocross bike. And we don't have time to explain what cyclocross is today, but go on YouTube and, and watch a little bit if, if you're not familiar. But Dan's right, a cyclocross bike really is a tool for cyclocross. They do not sell well anymore. They used to sell very well, and now they don't, um, because bike brands realize that all these people are buying cyclocross bikes, but not all of them, and actually very few of them are actually going and racing cyclocross. So a cyclocross bike will have a higher bottom bracket. It'll have a more open triangle so that you can shoulder it to run through stuff. And then generally, it'll kind of actually have a slightly slacker head tube angle than a road bike and even a lot of gravel bikes. Mm. Um, you can use them as gravel bikes and a lot of um, cyclocross bikes like the specialized crux will clear up to a 40c tire so there are some gravel bikes out in the market that can be used as cyclocross bikes or as excuse me there are some cyclocross bikes out there that can be used as gravel bikes but a lot of them will have kind of limited tire clearance like my cyclocross bike my ridley x knight sl only clears up to like a 35 which just isn't enough for most gravel so Gravel bikes is such a, it's almost like saying mountain bikes now. It is such a big and open term. It can, it encompasses bikes like a Trek Damani, which is really a road bike with wide clearance or a BMC Caius or a Factor Ostro gravel, which are really, you know, road bikes, even aero bikes that can just take a wide tire. And then you've got like the evil chamois Hagar, which is a hardtail with a rigid fork and drop bars, right? So gravel bike I don't know if it's all that useful a distinction anymore. I think we have to, we really kind of need to chop up gravel bikes into like race bikes versus adventure bikes versus, you know, whatever else. But that is as, as concise as I can make my answer to that question right now, because it's sort of a hairy one. Um, so my short answer is, if you're looking to race cyclocross, um, probably buy a cyclocross bike if you want to do a lot. If you are looking for a bike to do everything on, to train on for your mountain bike season, to do some gravel adventure riding to do an occasional cross race, just get some kind of gravel bike. I think gravel bikes are the right answer for most people, but um, there's a lot of nuance there depending on what you're doing. So 
if anybody has any follow-up questions about that, I'd love to talk about it. I'm happy to do a whole episode if there's any demand for that. So just let me know. Wow, that'd be fun. I know. Well, you know, it's funny. You say that, but like, I think that'll about a lot of your topics. You know, you'd be like, today we're going to talk about your glucolytic response for zone two training versus like talking about like a cool bike to me is. Okay, that's true. I don't know. It depends on what flavor of nerd you are. So all, all my bike nerds sound off if you want an episode on that and I'll, I'll make it happen. <laughs> well, that'll be a fun party. So we forgot to talk about something. Leadville just happened. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's how busy this week's been. Can I, can I yes. say it really quick? Um, Keegan Swenson is awesome. Like this was Keegan Swenson's done a lot, like a lot of impressive things. Um, and I should say like Leadville is one of those races. It's kind of like point to point where if you can do it, that's awesome. If you can race it, you're a God. Like it is probably one of the hardest days on the bike that you can do. Like it's probably up there with like doing Paris-Roubaix or something in terms of just physical arduousness. Um, it is a gravel mountain bike kind of race that happens almost entirely above nine or 10,000 feet. I think it feet. starts at like 10 and gets up to 12 or something. I, it's, it's truly insane. I actually have Keegan Swenson's stats for that pulled up. I, I, I did plan on talking about this. Um, here's a quiz for you, Dan. Can you guess, or do you want to take a guess at what Keegan's TSS was um, for, for Leadville? Well, because it's relative to his threshold. So right. So this was if his... I just just kind of pointing out if I would have done the exact same numbers Keegan would have done. Right. My TSS would have been like okay. Yes, that's a good point to make. That's know, a good point but, to make. So TSS is relative to your own effort, kind of thing. Okay. So probably four hundred. Three sixty six. Okay. Three hundred sixty six TSS, which is I was guessing high. Three. That's crazy. Three hundred sixty six TSS is nuts. That's like a really big fat day. He broke the time set by Albin Lakata and Christian Heineck, who are like the kings of the Cape Epic. Like two of the guy, the guys who basically founded modern endurance mountain biking, set this time at Leadville a few years ago with like a big fat group, and Keegan beat it by like ten minutes solo. Like I don't think we can understate or like overstate how cool this effort was. Um, his time was five hours forty three minutes twenty nine seconds fast people I follow on Instagram were like, I'm trying to go sub eight hours or sub seven hours. Keegan went sub six. Or like, don't you get a belt buckle if you go sub nine? Or yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Um, some of his uh, power stats that you'll like here, Dan, um, his average power for this six hour in, like altitude event, average power, average. not normalized, 274 watts. Wow. That is earth shatteringly high for an effort that long downhills i guess it must have been that man it was and leadville's interesting too because of the bikes that you get because it's one of those races where no one's really sure what bike you should use and people have kind of settled on on hardtails but you saw like dylan johnson wrote it on a factor hardtail that he put drop bars on a lot of people do it on a drop bar bike some people do it on full suspensions um, Led, I, I feel so dumb because I have like all this stuff written down about Leadville and then I just completely forgot it because we've had and, the world champs. We had one of our coaches do Leadville. Which one of our coaches did Leadville? Amy Larkin did it. Amy did Leadville? She did Leadville. How did you, it's, I think you people need to be on Instagram. That This is where I'm missing this. Like, like if, I, if it's not on <laughs> he Instagram. He gets all his news from Instagram. So yeah, that's, that's, I'm one of those people. But wow, Amy did Leadville? She did Leadville. Wow. I mean, she I'm not a, surprised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she got a fantastic time. She did, yeah, which was just such a huge inspiration to all the girls she rides with. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, um, in fact we did this, uh, we did a huge ride Saturday 
And one of the girls that came and rode with us, we tried to ride the first two thirds of point to point, which is a tough ride. Big old day. And one of the girls that rode with us said she was doing it because Amy was out doing Leadville. That's and cool. Yeah, because like I'm like I'm okay at endurance mountain biking, and I like to be on the bike for a long time, and I love doing point to point. I love long six seven hour rides. I don't think I could do Leadville. Leadville's Leadville's really pretty crazy. I guarantee I would cramp. Like yeah. there's just no way. Leadville's physically more than point to point. Point to point, I I think there's still I think there's an argument that you could make that point to point is similar or harder depending on the kind of rider you are. I I would say if you're if like for a roadie, yeah, point to point might be harder. Right. But for if a, you're if you're a mountain biker, Leadville's going to be harder. Yeah. I think it kind of does depend on like because I don't even know what to call Leadville. Is Leadville a gravel race? It's a really hard. It's a gravel race. I mean, it is a gravel race, but like. I don't know. It's kind of its own thing. Yeah. But it's, that's just cool and incredible. So and cool. And I should say, of course, in the women's races, I have to say, I'm spending more time talking about the men's because Keegan broke the record, did the big thing. Um, uh, uh, Sophia took the win in the women's pretty convincingly too. Like I, I, like that ride, I think is not getting as much attention as it should just because of what Keegan did, breaking the record and everything and the way that Keegan won. Sophia's ride though is like go check out her power stats. I think training peaks had them posted somewhere like tactically just masterful. Like, like these were both 10 out of 10, no notes, lay down a marker in the history books performances. Like dang. <laughs> um, it is. And I was, I, you know, I posted on my story. I was like, eight Oh one gang represent. Yeah. We've got Keegan up there. We had Zach Carlton get sixth. Oh yeah. Working a full-time job, get getting sixth at, at Leadville. Um, yeah, super, super cool. Super cool. So, you know, if you guys want to dream big, I think there's a p- pretty big dream you can dream do, about being if able I to If I could do, do someday. Leadville someday, that would be like a giant life goal completed for me, just being able to do it. Once they come out with that cramping pill, I think I'm, yep. I'd try it. But okay. until then, I'm... Okay. Until this then sounds like Uncle Rico to me. Like, if Coach had just put me in, was it? I could have been... If they get me the cramping pill, I, I'd be okay with Keegan. Yeah. But huge shout out to Amy for doing that. You've really inspired your girls and... And made other of us feel weak, but hey, that's what Amy does. That's, <laughs> that's what Amy does. Um, but yeah, so lots of. I think is there, is there anything else we need to run over? There's a Probably, lot. This is a big, I mean, fat, heavy show. We got a lot to go through. Yeah. Well, I, we're probably missing some stuff. So if we did miss anything, we'll. It's nothing personal. Just we'll you know, remind catch up. If you remind us, we'll probably throw it out there. But like I said, this team's getting big enough. Cycling's getting big enough and busy enough. We're getting enough. dumber and yeah. In the winter, we'll we'll catch more stuff. But we're kind of at like peak cycling season where there's just a million different things going on. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think should, are should we, we clear just to go move on? Yeah, and so today really isn't a deep dive. Okay. Um, really today, I'm, mean, you know, the Nike season's starting. Um, it's. I, and I was just kind of thinking about it. You know, the, the dog days of summer when you're like, like we had like, didn't we have like the hottest July on record or something? Oh yeah. We're and, blowing records away every year. Um, it gets really kind of discouraging. It yes. sometimes gets kind of hard. Like if you found it a little bit hard to be motivated during July, do you know what that means? That means you're normal. Um, yep. I think we've all been kind of experiencing it, but I do think that there's something about school starting that gets kids wanting like you would think like kids would ride their bikes more when they're out of school but 
it seems like for some reason you want what you can't have. Yeah, exactly. So once school starts, I think the kids start riding their bikes more and getting more time on the bike. And, you know, you show up to your high school practices and they seem to get busier once school has started. And I think, I think there's kind of a little bit of renewed excitement kind of starting to brew up for the Nike season. And so, you know, just tap into that. It's, it's awesome. Um, You know, I think too, is, is there occasionally is going to be little hints of fall, coming up and cooler weather coming up that's i haven't felt it yet but i, I haven't felt feel it yet there's but always, usually just, there's a moment where i'm like whoa sometimes it's in august I'll, every once fall. in a while you'll just kind of have this little like i don't think that's going to be happening in august that much anymore yeah. i think that's going to that's going to turn into a november feeling here soon but, well but you know it does get you kind of excited and oh, yeah. kind of re- rekindles the flame a little bit but um you know and and i don't know if i've ever have I ever shared my Aesop fable with you about? I don't think so. And and I don't even, I should probably like look it up and actually read the fable, but there's, there's an Aesop fable about grasping the nettle firmly. Have you what? heard of that one? Like if you go up to like a stinging nettle, like on a honey. This sounds like you asked an AI to generate a, a, a fable, like grasp the nettle firmly. Oh, like I know how to use AI. Okay. Right? Yeah, it's ChatGPT, Dan. I don't know how to use that either. It's a website? Okay, we'll just okay, yeah, we'll set that aside. Have to teach me. So there's basically an Aesop fable that says, you know, a boy kind of ran into some stinging nettle and it burned and his mom told him, you know, next time you run into the nettle, grasp it firmly and it doesn't sting. Is that, I, is that real? And it's actually true. I've tried it, you know, like... Do you went out and try I did. I, there was some stinging nettle, and I just went and grabbed a whole handful of it. No, don't try this. I would have but, loved to be the hiker watching this happen. Just some, <laughs> some dude just got to stop and look both ways and then slowly reach out and kind of pull back because you're not sure, and then just go for it. And Yeah, no, don't try this at home. Not that you have stinging nettle at home. but um, Out in mom's garden. <laughs> but I tried, and I, gra- I just grabbed onto it, and, and it didn't sting me. But if you kind of brush past it, it stings you. Okay. And so that's just kind of like a metaphor that I like to think of, you know, like if you're going to do something, you do something, you know, like, no, that is, there's some wisdom in that. Yeah. You know, it's like anything you kind of do half heartedly. It's usually a waste of time. It's not as like. much fun. Yeah. 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 But, if you're going to do something, do it. And if you're not going to probably don't, Yeah. you know, so, your time and money, your valuable resources, you know, if you're going to do something, send it. And, and the more you get into it, the more rewarding it is. And the more. You enjoy it and it kind of is it kind of gets you on that we talk about the spirals you know it kind of gets you on a nice good upward, upward spiral. spiral can i say something really quick i was just thinking of course you can say something I, well i was gonna say can I? I i run this podcast you don't know how to use the computer yet so um i have never heard someone say man i really wish i didn't get so into mountain biking but i've heard tons of people say man i really wish i hadn't let mountain biking go because I'm, you know, five, six, seven, eight, or whatever years it is out of NICA. And a lot of people I knew in high school that used to ride that didn't anymore say to me, like, oh, man, you know, things got busy. I let it go. Like, I wish I, I need to get back into it. I've never heard someone be like, man, it was a mistake to get really into the sport. I've, I've still haven't. I'll, maybe I'll hear it someday, but I still haven't heard it. That's so, a good point. I don't know, man. Like, it's. I mean, a, a lot of me running Maybird is regret for letting my fitness slide so bad. And Yeah, man. You know, and, and you know, the other thing is like, we've said this before, this is like, and, and not to be like, you know, dreary and bleak, but like, if you're in high school now, like the years after high school are rough, they're hard. Like it's, I, I can tell you, I'm still swimming through it, getting school done, starting your career. Um, like 
you have this opportunity now to like pretend to be a professional cyclist and I'd recommend that you take it, you know, cause it's the next time you're going to be able to do that. It's when you're 60 and you sell your dentistry practice and then go and pretend to be a professional cyclist, you know, like, you know, and the changes you make to yourself now can stick with you for, I mean, it can change you for oh, the rest yeah. of your life. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause like you said, it's always, even if you do it now and fall away, that's still better than nothing because it's so much easier to get it back when you are a little older and you want to get back into shape and start doing the bike thing again, you know? So I think it's worth your time to like, really, like I said, just send it on this. Yeah. Just go for it. And you know, and I think there's a lot of kids that might think that they've kind of, that they're not in good enough shape. There's going to be a rough season and that's, it's such a long season and you kids get in shape so fast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're going to be fine. If you start riding consistently now, you can have an awesome season. And we've said before, we said last season, your first race might not be great. You know, your second race might not be great. Who knows? It might be. You never know. Or your first race is going to be amazing. And it states you're going to be dying, right? Like the Nike season's long. It's a really difficult and, and so competitive these days. It's really, it's a heart of, you know, group of events to have to do. So like, you know, don't psych yourself out too much either. Cause like you're going to have a really good day and a really bad day this season. Just spoiler alert. Yeah. You know, you can surprise yourself one way or the other. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and just throwing this out there, we love helping any way we can. If, if there's anyone that needs help or has questions or just needs advice or encouragement, let us know. Just reach out. We love, we love helping. If you need a little pep talk, yeah. We don't have locker rooms I'm, in cycling, but like, I can't, should we build a locker room to do pep talks? I'm like the worst pep talker. Yeah, you're not very good at that, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, guys. Well, if you if you feel like it, go out there and kick some butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to work on this. You're not an inspirational leader. I, I'm but, very you know. no. I'm not an inspirational leader, but but I was hoping to inspire people today. You know, that okay. was kind of well. The, sorry the, to undercut you there, Dan, but. <laughs> You know, and so kind of the purpose of today's podcast is just a lo- pretty much everything we're going to be talking about, we've talked about before. It's just going to kind of be just a, a quick recap on some really important things that you can do to hopefully make it so you have a better chance of having a good day on oh, yeah. your race day. So, yes. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to go down some things we've talked about before. Um, the My list is pretty random and it's not in any kind of great order. I kind of just brainstormed some things I want to talk I think about. People expect this from us. I think we have to explain that things aren't perfectly well laid out. Okay. Like, the people who are really stuck on that aren't listening to us anymore. Okay, so, good. Yeah. Um, but first, the, the first thing I want to talk about, and I talked about this last week, I've talked about, we've had dedicated several podcasts to this. It's just because it's so important and it's probably even still the thing I get asked about by far more than anything is nutrition. Yep. So just as a quick reminder, go back and listen to last week's episode. We talked about glycogen stores for NICA races. Coming into a NICA race with your glycogen stores topped off is about as important as your fitness. I mean, it's a, that might be slight. That might be a stretch. That might be slight overstatement, uh, you know, but only slight. And I was going to say, like, have you ever had a day on the bike where for some reason, you know, like you could even be kind of rested and just for some reason, you just feel like crap and you just don't have Have I legs. ever had a day? Huh. Okay. <laughs> you know, yes, you I just have. ever had like one of those unexplained... Where it's like, I should be better today than day I am. Where you just can't hang with the group. Yeah. Yep. I honestly think that is almost always glycogen related. I think you're just yeah. low. 
and you know there's really no way to tell unless you get a biopsy so um do we just have parking lot biopsies after every ride just you know should we get like <laughs> or a before you know so yeah there you go uh, yeah so yeah so just uh just really really you know if you struggle with nutrition reach out we'll try to help you but it's something it's the easiest way to get faster yep um so yeah so come to the race topped off yep you know two or three days before start eating more simple carbs eat more than you usually do um get that extra bowl of pasta yeah um you know for most people you probably shouldn't eat two hours before the race but once you're warming up or once you're staging you know if you can get down a gel or something do it try to have a gel every lap try to drink a drink that's got some carbs in it and some electrolytes um just you know if you're going on a road trip and i told you to make sure your gas tank was full that wouldn't sound crazy right but yeah I, but it no it is a thing like i think i think and kids but it's the nervousness because like i'm too nervous to eat can't eat breakfast i was too nervous the night before and it's like one of those things where it's like you can't just tell people not to be nervous, but I can tell you that like, you're going to kneecap yourself by doing that. Like, do not, don't just eat. Even if it makes you feel sick, just eat. It's yeah. The lesser we did a evils. whole podcast. You go back and listen to it about, it was, you titled it something weird, like oh, too gosh. nervous to eat. Well, oh I my can't. gosh. The titles are so stupid. I'm so yeah. sorry. I really need to start naming them things that make sense that we can like go back and reference. But we did kind of a whole, a whole podcast on that. So go back to that one. That's pretty good. Um, so that's the first one. Next one is, you know, just uh, just prioritize your sleep. Like I, yeah. like I mentioned, I've been I've been wanting to do a sleep podcast for so long, but there's just it's just so big and hairy. There's just so much there. But all I can say is, if there's no way to overstate the importance of sleep. However important you think sleep is, it's even more important than that. It really like, is, and. Yeah, just tr- see what happens if you get to bed an hour earlier this well, season. I've, I've read like even beyond um, athletics, you know, that like that that's I've heard a lot of scientists hypothesize that like that's at the root of a lot of the chronic health problems that like Americans have right now. It's just people don't sleep anymore. You know, it's like normal to sleep five hours a night when we really shouldn't be doing that very often at all. You know, no, we're not getting nearly as much sleep as we were designed to get. So. Um, we'll talk more about that later, but just see what happens if you get to bed an hour earlier this school year than you did last year, you know, and hanging out with your friends, you don't need to hang out till one o'clock. Nope. You know, you can have fun till 1030 and get to bed. I'll never forget one time, um, a bunch of people at Bart Gillespie's house, you know, a bunch of the bike team was there for a little party and it was 10 o'clock. He runs out. He's like, he goes, Hey everyone, I'm an athlete. I'm going to bed. Nice. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, there you go. It's it's good self for parents too, you know, like do a sport where your kids are going to go to bed at 10, you know, because then they're not out being stupid. Um, you know, like you said, like, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I've had late nights. I had late nights when I was a kid. I don't know. I don't know. Was that, was, I don't know if that was that fun. Like, but maybe I'm just a loser. Yeah, I mean, so. you can have fun till 1030. And then... Maybe you and I are the wrong people to be commenting on this though, because we always kind of want to go to, you know, even if we didn't ride bikes, I'd probably be in bed at nine anyway, but... Yeah, I can't step past 10, really. So Either way, sleep's important, guys. Like, don't, Again, like, do, eat food, go to sleep. Like, we're being, Do like the basic things that your body needs so that you don't suck on race day Like, is the essential. Yeah, eating and sleeping are the cheapest and easiest ways to get faster. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's nothing we can sell you there. Upgrading you know? to the XTR pedals is cool, but really you should probably just eat something and go to bed. 
So it's like you shouldn't stay up an hour late to wear Normatex or something. You should just go to bed. Sleep in the Normatex. Oh, yeah, that's next level. There that you does go. feel good. There you go. Top, top tip there. You got 800 <laughs> bucks lying around. Okay, so yeah. So that the next one on my list is, and this one we did kind of a whole podcast on this, and I think you called it like the most Nike full-time of the year. Oh, oh my gosh, that's really such a stupid pun. That really I'm, isn't that I, funny. You know, I don't apologize for anything. But I, it was I'm actually a, our most listened to podcast ever. It's up there, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the second or third. So go back and listen to that one. We kind of went into a lot of detail on this concept, but, um, you know, this whole season, it's going to be kind of a balance between building and maintaining your fitness throughout the season, but coming to the races fresh enough that you can perform well. And it's kind of a fine balance you're going to have to strike. And it's different for everyone, too. It really is different for everyone. Um, You know, is is like a general rule you do want to come into the races fresh yep um but you don't want to spend the whole week off the bike that's not fresh doesn't mean you haven't ridden it a long time fresh means fresh and like for me like i've said before i think i'm in the minority but like i need two to three hard days of hard riding not long riding but like hard riding under my belt before a big effort because when i was in nika i'd always take wednesday thursday friday off or basically off and then go into a race and I haven't ridden since Tuesday and it's Saturday and my legs would always feel awful. And I've kind of discovered as I've gotten older that I need a day or two of pretty significant intensity for my legs to open up. So I don't think that's everyone, but like, don't fall in. Like I've had kids asking me like, you know, Hey, you scheduled a ride on Wednesday. Should I go? And I'm like, I don't know. Some of you should, maybe some of you shouldn't. Yeah. It's, it's really something you got to find out what works for you. My kind of general recommendation for most kids now is like, um, up until the Wednesday before an Ica race, you could do a really hard workout. Like like on Wednesday, that's probably the last day I would do a really hard workout. Um, Tuesday might be safer to do your hard workout on a Tuesday. But, you know, after like Tuesday or Wednesday, your, your Thursday and Friday should be fairly easy, I think, for most people. For most people, yeah. I should say um, I'm, I'm in the minority. I'm, yeah. I'm a weirdo. Um, you know, some people, openers help some people. Uh, I, you know, I've heard kind of openers are more helpful if you're rested, if you're yeah. coming into, like if you're coming into a Nike race and you're already really, really tired, openers aren't going to really help you. Yeah, people much. aren't doing openers the night before the 17th stage of the tour, you know, yeah. like, yeah, you, you kind of openers are best if you're, if you're fresh and rested, you know, if you've had like a really, really restful week and you're coming into the race almost, and you're maybe feeling a little too rested then you might make your pre-ride a little harder with some openers or stuff. But this is so individual and what works well for me probably doesn't work well for you. And, you know, and can I throw out really quick? And this is just a general point for everything we're talking about. If this is a year one or two of bike racing for you, like there's so much stuff that you haven't learned about yourself yet. Like you might not feel good all the time. Pay attention to it. Like write it down, like keep track and be like, this is what I did before this race this is what I did before this race. This is how I ended up feeling. Like take a scientific approach to this because I spent so much time doing the same dumb things again and again and again because they were conventional or there were something I assumed was right. And then I realized later on, like, I really shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah, you know? just like in your Strava notes, yeah. like no one will read them. No one really cares. But just nope. uh, just write down kind of what you ate, what you mm-hmm. did the day before, you know, and so you can go back and you look, know, if look, you had for, a, look if for you patterns. Had, yeah, if you had a good race, go back and look Find at what you why. did and keep doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so and then – after the race, obviously you need to recover, you know, you need, and that, 
sometimes that might be you might be ready to go on Tuesday. Sometimes you might need to wait till Wednesday or Thursday. You just kind of need to be the judge of that. Just make sure you're getting enough recovery. Um, but I think for the most part, you should ride every single day about, you know, or, or at least five days a week. But most of those should be super easy. And, and you know, and between the Nike races, you know, on the week of a Nike race, you could probably handle one really hard, intense workout on that week. But... And I know you're probably going to jump into this in a second. This is like the whole point of that. That's the most Nikeful time of the year episode um, that we did a year ago. Um, but the, the whole balance is like you can't be over resting for these because you're also it's a long enough season that you need to still be putting in some work to make sure that you don't get to states with no fitness. Exactly. And that's that's the tightrope you have to walk is how much because in theory, if this is a math equation, you want to figure out what is the most amount of work I can put in without harming myself on race day. And that is a super... Or you could look at another way, like the uh, minimum effective dose to, sure. to keep me... And it probably depends on what kind of fitness you're coming in with. If you're coming in and you're flying because you've had a couple of big events in the past month or so, you might have a different approach than someone who's like, oh my gosh, I'm just barely getting the engine started for a bike. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. The people that are just kind of like, oh man, I haven't done anything all summer. Yeah. You're going to have to train through all these first races. Oh and, yeah. But you'll be fine because... Right, you'll be okay. But you, yeah. yeah. First one's going to be rough. You might have to train through. If you're coming into this flying, you might be flying for this first race, but then you're going to struggle to like recover enough, you know, to come, you know, you might be hitting states, maybe a little, a little flat, but. And I feel like we just made this whole thing really confusing. And that's kind of cause it, it's, it is. It's, it's, I, I, and you know, people hate, it depends, but it depends is almost always the answer to every question. And that's so unsatisfying, but like, it's the way it is, man. Like, but, but I think, yeah, to kind of like tidy it up just a little bit, um, you need to continue to build fitness throughout the NICA season. You don't want to over rest, but you need to make sure you're coming to the races fresh enough that you can, you can perform well. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. And really quick, you, most of you statistically are going to mess this up. Like, don't worry. It, it, really, if it's your first or second year of racing Nika, you're here for experience. Even if it's your third or fourth, like don't be holding yourself to results. You have such a long runway <laughs> for your cycling career that like, I look back and I did the dumbest stuff leading up to my, like almost comically stupid so like you know if, and if you know let, let me speak if someone's listening to this i don't know if anyone is if you're listening to this, this is your very first year you haven't raced nike maybe you haven't raced at all like these first couple races are going to be terrifying and you're gonna mess up and you're gonna do everything wrong and you're gonna have an unremarkable finish and you should still keep trying like i, I talked to so many kids who are like oh you know it's just like I don't know, like it's too competitive now. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm like, I, set that aside, man. Like it takes so long for most people to get good at this that like, yeah, there's definitely a learning curve and give yourself yeah. some grace, but you know, listen to your body and just make sure you keep training throughout the season. So you're building fitness until States, but give yourself a little bit of time, ease up a little bit before the races. So you come into them fresh and then yep. Make sure you're recovered from them before you start hard intervals. Like don't, yeah. don't do hard intervals the Monday after a race. Don't yep. do a hard group ride the Monday after a race. Don't do a hard ride directly after a race, which a lot of people do. And you know, that's the easy part. The hard part is what about Tuesday? And that's where it's, it depends. Yeah. See how you feel. You got to so. learn. And you know what? Like make notes and it feels so nerdy to do it. Like make notes. And some days, some weeks you're going to feel good on Tuesday and other weeks yeah. you're not going to be ready till Thursday. But that's why... 
you've got to listen to your body. And, and even learning what good versus bad feels like, that's a skill that takes years and years to like learn your body well enough to know like this hurts because it's a hard workout or this hurts because it's bad and I, I shouldn't be working hard today. So like, yeah. it's So go back and listen to that podcast. Yeah. I listened to it again. It wasn't too terrible. Okay. Um, I'm so scared to go back and listen to any of these. I don't. Gosh, I hate hearing my voice. I've I do too. The worst voice. <laughs> I mean, I, hear, I hate hearing your voice. My voice is just audible chocolate. <laughs> So, okay. So many people just rolled their eyes so hard there, but it's okay. So the next thing is, uh, and we've talked, I think we did a whole podcast on this, was, is warm-ups. Um, warm-ups is, is a huge it depends thing. Oh, yeah. You know? I'm still like, trying to figure it out if for me. You're, if it's a cold morning and your muscles are cold and you can see your breath, you need a big, long, oh, good yeah. warm-up. If it's... Um, if it's 98 degrees out there and the sun's beating down on you and you're, you're in price. So there's not a tree and yep. in sight. Um, you probably don't need a super long, you know, you probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time riding up and down a 110 degree road. And, you know, you're just, you know, it's warmups are important. Um, they can be overdone. And it's another thing that like, I take a long time to warm up. Other people don't take it as long, but I think, you know, we, we talked before and we don't, we did a whole podcast on this, you know, um, see if you can get a, if it's a hot day, you know, see if you can do it on a trainer in the shade. Um, you know, ice vests are pretty awesome. Oh, uh, parents listening to this who have money to spend and your kids, the racehorse that you're going to buy everything for, get rollers, learn how to use rollers. Warming up in the, you know, like warming up in the tent out of the sun. Well, a lot of the teams have rollers too. I've noticed that. Yeah. Like in it, uh, you don't have to, like we have the feedback ones that you can mm-hmm. put your, yeah, those aren't, those don't make you look as cool, but like, um, do that if you can. That's yeah. not, you're not gonna be able to do that all the time for everyone, but, uh, learn how to use rollers, get some of those feedback things and then just talk to your Nike coach be like, Hey, can I just have this little strip of land right here in the shade and, you know, warm up there? Cause like you said, like. A lot of these, you know, I think a lot of these kids are doing warm-ups that are maybe too hard. And I think most people warm up too hard. Well, then I've never warmed up hard enough. I've kind of learned that I need way more of a warm-up than I was doing. See, and I'm actually kind of finding that, like, when when I warm up, I just need to get to around threshold. Yeah. Just kind of ramp up, and my hardest effort would be around. I don't do any catacrotic. <laughs> hang on. Stick the landing. Here we go. Catastrophic. There we go. Sure. Were you looking for cataclysmic? Was that what you were going for? I kind of combined the two words. Cataclysmic. Cataclysmic. Should I call this episode that? Just no, it'll please, never be referenceable yeah, to no, it'll, anyone it'll in the future. Um, but yeah, I found those efforts aren't super helpful for me in a warm up. You know, just for you. Do, get, everyone's different, right? I just need to get the aerobic system going. But we did yeah, a yeah. whole episode on warming up. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's that was the next thing on my list. The next thing on my list, okay, is um, is openers. Ah, so Dan, what's the difference between warm up and openers? That's a question I've heard before. Well, warm ups usually do right before the race. Openers you do usually the night before. Because I've heard people say, "Hang on, I've got to go do some openers," and the race starts in thirty minutes. I'm like, technically, that's a warm up, not openers. You know, it's kind of picky there, but and we we mentioned openers briefly a second ago. I mean. A lot of people liked, like Joe, for instance, needs likes to get all systems firing the night before. You know, um, my my th- thoughts on openers is kind of evolving a little bit. I think that, like we said, you know, if you're fresh and if you're a little bit stale, 
openers are probably a really good idea. Like if you've been traveling to a race and you've driven oh, in yeah. the car for like oh yeah two days, you know yep. you're definitely going to want to do some openers. But um, if you had to mow Aunt Susie's lawn yesterday, and then you, you might got, need a recovery ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I tend to think, for me now, openers are more. Um, you know, maybe get up to threshold. And just kind of gradually ramp it up. I think the key to warm-ups and openers is the common thread is I think keep them short is the key. Oh, yeah. And like, I actually said that before that I need a hard ride but not a long one. Because long yeah. you don't want to come into a ride with a long with a race with like a long ride in your legs. Yeah. Anytime, like anytime I see kids pre-riding for more than 45 minutes, I think it's too much. You know, like even if you do it a little bit too hard, if you only do it for 45 minutes... You're, you're going to be okay. But yeah. if you do a ride that's an hour and a half, that's a little bit too hard. You've just, you've just cashed in a lot of your race day currency early. And like, even for me, like that's too much. Yeah. You know, like, an, like I say an hour, an hour, but it can be a pretty hard hour, you know, for me personally. But yeah, you don't want to do, don't do a three hour. And even, or like we were talking about this at, at the race at Snowbird a couple weeks ago, you know, like doing lift serviced riding is not resting. Like, don't do that the day before. Don't, you know. And then, like, I also stay off your feet. Don't go on a hike. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So as far as warm-ups and openers go, I mean, they're they're kind of almost the same thing. It's just a matter of when you do them, I guess. I don't know. There's And there's a whole bunch of different formulas for how to do them or what to do. But I think the, the biggest thing is just keep them short. And the goal is you should feel better after you do them. Yes. You know, usually when I when I do openers, I will start super, super slow and then just gradually kind of ramp up a little. My legs will start do being, getting, feeling better. I might do just some, a few sweet spot efforts, you know, and, and then when I start wanting to keep going and pushing a little harder, that's when I'm kind of, eh, I better stop. Yep. Well, so. I think I, and like you said, this just kind of takes time to like learn your body. Like for me, I'm like, I, you know, like I was, I was riding the snowbird course the day before the ICAP and I'm like, I want to go hard, but not like, like hard, hard, you know? And I can't, I can't explain where I draw the line, but I just kind of know my body well and I feel like, okay, that's yeah. too much for the day before a race. This so is, you keep know. Keep them short and them wanting more. Yep. And oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So another one I had on my list and this is just this, this easy, simple little one, but I think it does matter is get to the race a little bit. It's better to get to the race a little bit too early than a little bit too late. If you get there late, you're like stressing out about getting ready, getting your kid on, getting, you know, you're sitting in the sun, you're doing all kinds of not restful things that, you well, know, just like, the energy from stressing out yeah. is energy you could apply to your pedals later. Right. Yeah. You know, so get to the race a little bit early. like in the fact, that's just kind of a good lesson for life. Oh Yeah is if you can just get to places a little bit early, you're going oh, yeah. to be a lot less stressed. Give out. yourself some margin for error. Like, yeah. yeah, don't, don't be showing up to races 20 minutes before they start. That's, ugh. yeah, you don't want the, that stresses me out. Just thinking about that. The sympathetic nervous system kicking in while you're driving there. Right. You know. Now I will say if you're at the hotel and the race course is 30 minutes away and your little brother races at 6 a.m. and you race at 3 p.m. Chill in the hotel. Maybe don't show up at 6 a.m. and sit in the sun for nine hours. Yes, I did say a little bit early. A little bit. Like, actually, really quick, if your race starts at noon, Dan, what time, if your athlete's race starts at noon, what time do you want them showing up to the tent? So that's a good question. Is a general rule, if you get there two hours, you'll be there way early, plenty early. 
Plenty early. Two hours is usually plenty of time. Yep. But usually what I like to do on race day is like in my notes app on my phone, I will like, I'll put my start time and then I'll go back and then I'll put my, the staging time and then I'll go back a little bit. And I'll put like my warm up time and then I'll go back a little bit. And I'll put like what time I need to, you know, use the bathroom at and I'll go right. back a little time. What time I should put my kid on, go back, what time I should eat, you know, just kind of basing it all on my start time. And so that day I have this little schedule that I just kind of look at and I kind of know what time I should eat, you know, and what time I, and, and it just takes some of the, it just makes it less stressful. Well, and too, like you show up and your Axis battery's dead, you've got a minute to charge it. You know, you show up and your brake needs a bleed, someone can throw it on the stand and take care of it. Like, don't, like, don't show up half an hour before your race starts. An hour before your race starts, I don't think is soon enough. It's not soon enough. Like, if everything goes perfectly, it's soon enough. But nothing goes perfectly every single time. The line for the bathroom's long. You know, you can't find your heart rate monitor. Like, there's so many different things. You know, I think, too, like, race starts at noon, show up at 10. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a pretty good rule of thumb yeah. right there. Um, yeah. And then Joe mentioned this earlier, but again, you know, as much as possible on that race day, and even, like, the day before, you really should try to stay out of the, the direct sun and stay off your feet. Those two things can just really, really just sap energy out of you. Yeah, so. like, like I don't think, like, don't necessarily be afraid of intensity on the bike the day before. Be afraid of walking up the stairs. Of like, if you're working a retail job, mm-hmm. see if you can get the day off so you're not on your feet all day. Like, the, being on your feet kills you. Mm-hmm. You know, like my, so my wife's a teacher, Tessa, she's been a teacher, she's been on here a time or two, right? I've gone in and helped her in the classroom before. Being on your feet is so oh, hard. Nothing makes my legs more tired than going shopping. Three hours of hard riding is easier on my legs that because like I worked retail briefly and it almost killed me. Like people who work retail are like, true. My legs man. get so tired in Costco. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't if there's Costco, you know, if your parents are going grocery shopping the night before, probably stay home. Keep your feet up. You know, when you're on the bike, like I said, I'm I'm not afraid of a little intensity on the bike the day before, but like, you know, yeah. Like being on your feet, staying up late, not eating are all things that'll just destroy you on race day. You'll feel like garbage. Mm-hmm. And feeling like garbage at a Nike race when everyone's there to cheer for you is, is rough. It's yeah. not a good day. You want to avoid that if you can. So if you're cheering on your friends, bring an umbrella and yep. bring a chair. Yeah, actually, yeah. And like, yeah. you know what? The drop that you want to get the cool picture on might be on the other side of the... Like, don't. Just watch just him in the feet. watch him click, yeah. Now, after your race, maybe whatever. It's still not ideal. But after your race on states, do whatever you want. Yeah. Right? But... Yeah. So that list there was kind of some really practical kind of things. Um, These next two things I want to talk about are a little on the softer side, but I think they're, I think they're fun to talk about. And I think they're important too. And like I said, I think everything we just talked about, we've talked about before. So hopefully that was a good reminder. And, um, and I think every one of those things is good and beneficial, you know? So, um, but let's just shift gears and talk about kind of like a little bit this almost the softer side of racing, the philosophical the, the side, the feel good side. Yeah, of, you know. So, um, so the the first thing I just want to point out is just how cool, like when I was in high school, like the fact that you could ride a bike on dirt was kind of novel, kind of novel. Yeah, it was super cool, and that you can like show up to the middle of the desert somewhere and there's this city full of tents and just hundreds of kids that have been riding hundreds of hours 
getting ready for this and they're you know and they just they're all kind of like they have this common interest in a sport they all love and they're all together and you've got like a bunch of friends there from different schools and a bunch your your family's there your coaches are there. there's just it's just such a cool vibe and such a cool experience and and it's just unreal just soak that in you know there's you, you so, will miss it so much energy there yeah. so much coolness so much goodness i mean the culture of these races compared to like other sports a basketball game is just awesome like oh, yeah. your, like i love at like nike races like when someone like the loudest cheers are for someone that comes in way 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 past the rest of the group or someone that has to run their bike in because it broke or something the sportsmanship is just awesome yeah like just cool 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 vibes just soak it in and just love it like hanging out with your friends in the tent eating all the food that your team provides it's just it's just so much coolness i i will say i was really i, I struggled with nerves when i was in nika like really really bad unproductive levels of nervousness for, for nika and it kind of i don't know if i enjoyed it all that much in the moment but i've realized now looking back you and like i said you will miss this like you're gonna want every single moment at a Nike race back someday, even the bad ones. Like, you know, like and, and I always tell people too. Like, um, I have a lot of friends. My contact book in my phone is huge. Um, the I, I I was able to invite five friends to my wedding, and they were all bike people, and almost all Nike bike people. And they, people I don't even talk to that much anymore. But like, everyone that showed up to your reception was like bike people. And yeah, <laughs> really, truly. Like, it's it is it is so cool. It's and a you cool know community. We just love being part. And you know what? It's like, it, you know, I, I, I was just kind of, this might kind of undercut your feel good message here. Like a lot of you are going to have bad Nike races. A lot of you, most of your Nike races might feel bad. You're going to make mistakes. You might crash, have a mechanical finish 30th when you thought you were going to win. Like it's, it's still the best. It's so, so cool. And like I said, you will want every single one of them back, even the bad ones. Just some tissues. No, I'm just going to sit here and watch you cry. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's, and like you said, Dan, it's just such a cool thing. Like you, and you know, the other cool thing is like the bragging, like being like, I ride mountain bikes. Like how cool is that, man? You know, like for the guys listening to this, how many times do you think a girl's heard, oh, I play football. Like that's not, that, that was cool 40 years ago. Like say I ride bikes and then you talk about like, I shave my legs more than you do. Like, you know, it's the coolest thing ever. I can't speak from a girl's perspective. If much it helps your dating life, but like, for me, that has been the best conversation starter ever. Like the fact that you can do this is so cool. That's super cool. Granted, I'm biased, but like I don't know. Maybe people who are listening to be like, "No, Joe, you're wrong. It really isn't cool." But Joe, technically, you're not cool. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm cool to the only kind of people I care about. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the first thing I kind of want to point out. The the second thing I want to point out about mountain bike racing is really it's ultimately a time trial you know like the person that wins incidentally gets the fastest time on course it's not so much about who you beat or what you know and and so the the whole point i'm trying to get to with this is just don't worry about the other people the other people are there to either like get in your way and prevent you from getting your best time in the course or they might motivate you to help you get your best yeah. time on the course, but that's all you're worried about. You're really not worried about who you're ahead or behind. You're just worried about getting the absolute best time you can get. And, and 
writing with other people can help you do that. Like, you yeah. know, the competition can make you become a better athlete, you know, yes. because of the motivation. Um, but ultimately it's about you just out there being your best and doing your best. If for the varsity racers listening to this, in some limited circumstances, there may be tactical aspects to your race. And it's good to be cognizant of those. Like on a flatter course on a windy day, you might consider the effect of riding in a group for don't most of you don't worry about it. Like it's, it's, it's not like, like a major factor that most of you are going to be wanting to consider. So like I said, if you're in varsity, maybe JVA and it's a super flat course and a super windy day, maybe think of it, but like I hear kids in freshman B psyching themselves out about like group tactics and stuff like go race road. The strongest guy's going to win. You know, the, the strongest rider with, with the best handling skills is still well, going to win at the end of the like day. Like I did say, the other people there can actually help you get your best time. Yeah. Because they can either be like some people that can kind of help push you along. Right. Or you can like, they can, you know, someone might be setting a better pace for you than you would pace right. on your own or yeah. something. And so definitely the other people out there can help you. Yeah. But it's still just about you doing your best and getting the best result you can get. I should say the whole shot is something we probably, and your coach will probably address this. That's the one strategic element of Nike racing is like, you might have to start hotter than you would otherwise to make sure that you hit the single track in sixth place and not 66th place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to, um, you want to start where you want to finish, which sucks. Cause like a lot of you are going to struggle with that, especially like the smaller people uh, listening to this, like that first minute's going to suck and you might have to go a little deeper than you would ideally, but it's worth it. Like don't hit the single track after the traffic jam. That's the one strategic thing I'd throw out. And we actually did a whole podcast on this. But... Did we really? Wow. This is all a blur. But so much time in the basement. Not, we had to delete it. Oh, anyway. So, so strategy <laughs> in Nike races, um, is, is like, like I said, like I used to hear kids and it's like, I love that kids are thinking strategically and watching road racing and that's great. It's not really, but you know, Use your brain. If if your race is really fast, if you're cruising over 15 miles an hour a lot of the race and it's windy, yeah, maybe maybe think about going off on your own versus staying in the group. But yeah. for most of you, I I think usually in cross country racing, if you catch someone, you should probably pass. You them. should pass them. That means yeah. you're going faster than they are. So yeah. if you catch someone, pass them. Yeah. But yeah, we could do a whole redo a whole podcast on yeah tactics. So, um, yeah. So the next one is like, I don't know. Are you, you're familiar with like mantras, right? Oh yeah. I have a mantra and do you want to just explain what a mantra is real quick? Uh, I think, I think there's like an actual use of what mantra is like religiously for some people. I think the colloquial use of mantra is like a thing to live by, you know, it's kind of like a phrase that you just kind of an easy phrase to remember that you just, just is kind of in the forefront of your mind that you can just kind of. Say oh. over and over and over oh, again. Like, like, yes, I'll have that enchilada style. <laughs> it's a very Utah reference there. I don't know if that's... Don't, don't that. roll your eyes at me, Dan. I don't know if that was funny or not. I think that was funny. But, but yeah, like a mantra is just kind of like a simple phrase that you can kind of keep in mind and just almost kind of draw power from it by saying it over and over again, you know. And, um, you know, having a mantra while you race is... I think it's a good idea, you know, and I've heard some really good ones, you know, but my favorite mantra, and I was, I'm just going to throw this out to you guys. Maybe you could try it and see if it works for you is this hurts, but I'm okay. 
Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. And so you're acknowledging that, you know, like, it's a painful sport. Oh, yeah. And everybody out there is hurting. And you know what? That's okay. Yep. Just because just it hurts doesn't mean it's bad. And just because it hurts doesn't mean it's permanent. Yep. And just because, like, the moment you're in, it hurts. But that doesn't mean you're not going to be recovering on a descent in a few minutes, you know. Well, because, like, it's interesting because, like, pain is your body telling you to stop doing something that's hurting it, right? It tells you to stop way before it needs to. Right. But it's, like, I think it is good to remember, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm not on fire. I'm not drowning. I'm climbing the hill at Snow Basin, and it sucks. But, like, it's going to be okay. This is good for me. It's not bad for me. I think that it's not going to make the pain go away. But I think, like, mentally a lot of people start circling the drain as soon as it starts to hurt at all. And that's going to really limit your ability to do things in this sport. Yeah, so you're acknowledging that, yeah, this does hurt. I'm not comfortable, but you're going to be okay. That's how it's supposed to be, you know. So I would throw that out there as a pretty useful mantra that, um, you know, that you could try to keep in mind when you're racing, and maybe it helps. Um, So I've only got one more thing to talk about. How are we doing on time? We're okay. We're okay. And this is something we talked about in one of the previous episodes. I just wanted to bring it up because I think this is probably one of the most important things we could have talked about. And it's something that the Dr. Ross kind of introduced because we talked about like goals, you know, I, I think setting goals are just awesome, you know, and I think for those that haven't had a whole lot of motivation so far this season, maybe you need to think about some goals for your season. Goals are super important. Um, but there's different types of goals, you know, there's, there's performance goals, which is kind of like, I want to win. I want to be on the podium, you know, and those can be really good and motivating and they're not bad, but you don't have complete control over them. You know, it depends on who shows up. It depends on whose bike doesn't fall apart. Um, you know, there's, um, there's also process goals that you, we hear a lot about. And that's, those are more like goals. Like, you know, I mean, a I'm going to train 15 hours a week or I'm going to do this or that or eat healthier or something, you know, those are, and those are goals that are like, you have a lot of control over them and they probably will help your outcome goals be better, you know? And, um, but then Dr. Ross kind of introduced a new concept that I just really, really love. And we talked about this before. I just wanted to bring this back up again and, um, give more attention to it and these these are things I want you guys to really think a lot about as you're racing and these are performance standards you know as opposed to like process goals or outcome goals performance standards are something that we always have control over and and these are kind of like you know when, when you finish a race I, th- I think these are a really good way to judge whether it was a good race or not because like if you win a race and you get first place does that mean it was a good race Depends on who showed up. Yeah. Depends on a lot of different things. If you enter a race and get last place, was it a good or bad race? If it's a World Cup, it was a great race for me. Yeah. I finished. Yeah. It all really depends. You know, I mean, if I did a, like, if I did a novice I Cup or something and I got third, that Hmm. might not have been the best race I could have done, you know, but if I... third and pro. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Right. Impossible. But... Yeah. It was, you know. But, um, so yeah, but performance standards are just... Things that no matter what, no matter how bad it gets, are things that we can control. And 
Um, and I kind of mentioned before that, you know, maybe as a team, we could have these three performance standards. And okay. you guys can probably have more if I'm neglecting anything or missing something or something you maybe need to work on. You have permission but, to add more. Yeah. But I think these are three pretty good performance standards. And I want you guys to remember them. Okay. Because instead of a, a magic word or whatever this time, okay, I want you guys to text either Joe or I the three performance standards. Okay. How's that? Is that a good idea? Get a bunch of long texts in the next few days. Uh, it's just a list of three. So. Okay. Okay. So the first performance standard, number one, that was redundant. <laughs> yep. First performance standard, number seven. <laughs> okay. The first performance standard is just keep pushing. Okay. No matter how good the race is going or how bad the race is going, just keep pushing. Okay. Okay. Like, I'll tell a story because I know, I acknowledge that absolutely nobody in the world cares about 40 to 49 I-Cup expert racing, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some guy who's super into it, shows up to everyone holding up a sign for some dad <laughs> that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure nobody cares. But I had an experience that I just wanted to share. Um at, at the Soho race, you know, I started in my group and usually my tactic is I kind of just let him go on the start and then gradually Keep is letting him go throughout the race. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And okay. just gradually as the race goes on, you know, I'll usually be able to kind of pass a couple of people and call it good, you know, but, but like at Soho, like my group just kind of got away and I was getting really discouraged. Right. And, you know, and I just wasn't feeling very good. It just wasn't, wasn't a super great day. I, I kept pushing. I probably could have pushed harder. Um, and then get to the last lap and I come up on a guy and realized, oh, wow, he was one of the guys I was racing and I caught somebody. And it was like instantly... I felt like a new person for a little, you know, I yep. was able to pass the guy and then I just had a little bit more energy. I just kind of started feeling, feeling better. And then I kept going and then I eventually caught another guy that started in our group and, um, instantly I felt completely different, Yep. you know, and it's like, you know, it's not like I all of a sudden gained new fitness or all of a sudden, had new abilities or anything it yeah. was it was there was Mentally. just kind of a mental switch yeah. that switched that let me let me push harder so if things aren't going your way just keep pushing because you never know it, it's it's always too soon to give up this happened really quick this i know we're going a little long this happened to me at cactus hugger um i was in sixth place i knew it i could count the guys kind of going away from me on the climbs um i rode a lot of the race in sixth place totally gapped seventh place he wasn't a concern couldn't see sixth, uh, fifth place. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to come in strong sixth place. Good finish. Right. And I, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I could let up a bit. I've got a nice fat gap on se you know, seventh. He's probably not going to catch me. I was going to, I'll keep going hard and I'll descend. I'm going to, this last descent, I'm going to super, super hard, you know, try to get my best descending time on the third lap. Right. And within sight of the line, I caught sixth place. And I was like, you know what? Something happened to him going slow, had a mechanical or something. If I'd let up, um, you know, or I caught fifth place. So I got on the podium, right? 
And so it was like in mountain bike racing, it's not, is that a Muhammad Ali quote? It's not over till it's over. I don't know. That's, that sounds like it. We'll just say it was Muhammad Ali once said, according to me, <laughs> it's not over till it, someone said it. It's like, it's not over till it's over, you know, until you come across the line, you know, and if you're in first place, don't let up because second place has a heck of an incentive. You know, you're, you're, you're a carrot for someone who's chasing you, you know? And if you're in last place, don't let up, you know, close the gap. Like if you're in, if you're in the middle, you know, grab a couple places before the end or prevent getting past. Like no matter where you are in the race, like there's no reason to let up in a race. Yeah. Just yeah. keep pushing. That's, yeah. that's the first one. No matter how good you're doing or how bad you're doing, just keep pushing. So, um, the second one is ride smooth. Yeah. Smooth is fast. Smooth is fast. Like, um, you know, just when you're descending, just, just focus more on riding smooth than riding fast and you'll probably will ride faster. Yep. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Kids in Nika crash all the time on that first descent because they're thinking about going fast, not going smooth. Yeah. And, and, and I think too, when you get too, too much anxiety and too much stress oh, yeah. and too much adrenaline, you just get sloppy yep. and you break your bike yeah, you, and you, you bust a rim, go OTB, no good things. Yeah. Going OTB never speeds you up. So so that's the second one. Smooth. Be smooth. The third one, and this is also from a previous podcast, is is don't be a dick. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you heard the term a pass hole? A pass hole. That's awesome. Isn't that funny? Oh my gosh. That's really good. I actually really like that. Because like, and I have to remind kids that like, this is a big deal and you should take it seriously, but it's Nika. It's just not worth hurting anyone over. It's not worth like crying about. It's, 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 it's a bike race. You know, yeah. Well, you know, when we first rolled out the performance standards, you know, the the third one I called it just be nice. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, it's racing. You should be competitive. Yeah, you don't have to be nice. You, you know. know, you can pass people. You can yeah. be competitive, but just don't ever be a dick or yeah, a, I guess a pass hole. <laughs> yeah, and I and on a serious note, um, if you want to be a dick, do it in a black jersey. Uh, unless you're the only kid on your high school mountain bike team, your jersey represents people who aren't you. And um, I would never want someone in a Maybird kit or a Skyline kit to be a douchebag. Because then, a... right? But for me, like those are my teams, right? Like because then that makes me look like a douchebag. So like that's something I take a really hard line on with my kids. Is like I don't care if you get dropped. I don't care if you crash as long as you're okay. I don't care. You know, I don't care if you ride your bike once a year. Don't be a dick. You know, like I just, it's not worth it. No matter winning varsity isn't worth being a douchebag. Your integrity is worth more than that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And you know, that's the end of my random lists of things to talk about today. But I just want to say guys, how lucky we are to work with all of you and, and to be part of this community and have so many awesome friends. And, um, I'm, I'm just, there's just always so many kids that are just inspired by that are just getting out and riding a lot and having fun, being good examples of the team. And, um, it's just, there's just so much coolness and it, I just want to keep it, keep it going. And I hope everyone has just an awesome season. You know, I hope that, that you just go out there, give it your all. And you know what, whatever happens, you just finish that race happy, knowing that you gave it everything you had and finish the race gassed, gassed and happy. Yeah. You know? Gassed and happy. Be gassed and happy at the end. Okay. So remember, um, text Joe and I, the three performance standards, if you can remember them. 
And if not, like, skip backwards and listen to them again. For extra points, do it in emoji form. There we go. That's a fun thought exercise. How do you do that? That's the point. It's creative. Okay, yeah. Do it in emoji form. Do it in emoji form. Send us our three performance standards in emoji form. All right. The challenge is yours. uh, Everyone who's racing this Saturday, good luck. We will not highlight all of you in Sunday's podcast because that would be like 50 people. So... Uh, for everyone who's going to have a good race on, on, on Saturday, good for you up front. You know, we won't have time to go over it all later. Be safe. No crashes. Don't break rims. Don't break frames. Be nice. Anything else? Um, top off your glycogen stores. Top off your glycogen stores. We'll talk to you next Sunday, folks.